Hello, everyone, and welcome in to episode number 21 of That's What B Said. I'm your host, Bree at Breezy Clee, and I'm joined by, I've got Meredith tonight at MK on Sports. Hi, Mare. Hello, Bree. I introduced you first because it is just us tonight. Just the two of us. <laughs> we can make it <laughs> Yes, Miss Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View could not be with us tonight. She is going through some health issues right now. We hope she's feeling better. We hope that the Jadavion Clowney signing uh, gave her a little a little boost, a little immunity boost here. I, and I definitely think it helped a little yes, bit. Yes, has to. <laughs> Uh, but we hope she's sleeping and getting her rest and we will look forward to having her back next week because she was in a few Twitter wars. Uh, I think from what I saw, I don't know any details, but, uh, we have to get her take on, on what she, who she was battling with. I saw some battles with some Indians fans. So <laughs> it'd be an interesting uh, one next week. Are the Indians still in first place? They were in first place as of like yesterday. Yeah. You know, I was first place I was, Cleveland Indians. I was going to bring that up because last week we, I, I'm pretty sure that we caused this to happen. We caused this turnaround because is it all our fault. No. Yeah. Well, yes, because we were, we called them. There was going to be the season of suck and then they became first place in the division. So here we are. So I was texting with a friend and making a legitimate joke of like with all all of the issues with the Indians this year between the sexual assault allegations uh, from Mickey Calloway, from the drama around them changing the name, but not actually changing the name yes. and Francisco Lindor and everything that was surrounding that. And I texted my friend and I was like, what if this is the year that the Indians win the world series? I mean, I like, wouldn't what? like, like what if this is it that actually makes perfect sense that that is exactly what will happen and and you know it'll be the year that i don't have them on youtube tv i won't oh be able to watch them go on their world series run but i will say meredith um i am this close to paying a package to watch them because tristan mckenzie went live on instagram i think it was yesterday oh i missed it he well, you would have missed it because it was like literally at like, I don't know, 10 in the morning. It was such a random Oh, time. yeah, yeah. I would have, I, I was at work, so. I, I just happened to like do the quick, like I'm going to open Instagram, like see what's going on and, and it popped up. And I sat there and watched him. He was looking at his, his baseball tr like trading cards. Oh, and no. he is the cutest thing in the entire world. And I was like, I need to watch this man pitch because he is so sweet. And he was answering questions and he is my son. So that I have to me, buy them. <laughs> that reminds me of the time that Miles Garrett was putting like anime and Pokemon trivia yes. on his Instagram stories. Like he was, it was like trivia questions and then screenshots. And he was like, reply to me with the correct answer. And it was the cutest thing. Like this massive human being, this grown man <laughs> who is like the size of three grown men is like, Hey, give me your favorite Pokemon. <laughs> Yes, I just love it. I just like seeing the human side of these yes. athletes and players. It just makes me want to root for them in real life. But uh, the other thing I will say is I've watched the New York Mets and Frankie Lindor play more mm -hmm. than I have the Indians this season because wow. they've they've been nationally televised. So I'll put put them on and watch them. And it, I didn't realize how upsetting it would make me to see him in a Mets uniform. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, it hurts that hurt that was that was I was like is it felt so surreal well and also <laughs> like and don't mute me for talking about the nationals but the year after Bryce Harper left the nationals to take what was 330 million dollars from the Phillies of money um that very year the nationals went on and won the world series I know yes oh Meredith you were mm. on to something I, I was very uncomfortable watching because that was another that was another free agent move that we just knew was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like Nats fans knew Bryce Harper was going to leave DC. I think the assumption was that he was going to go to the Yankees, um, but we were just like Bryce Harper, watch where is he going to go? Because even if the Nationals make him an offer, which they did, we knew it wasn't going to be enough. And yeah, he went to the Phillies, and then the Nats won the World Series. You know, so, the Mets were the Mets were playing the Phillies and Bryce Harper made this like pretty incredible catch. And 
when I was watching it, I I still felt like it was very weird to see him in a Phillies uniform. Like, yeah, and, and that and that's been what two two years, three years? Yeah, two two years, two years, I believe. Yeah, because it was 20, 2019 when the Nats won the World Series. Okay, so it would have been like twenty eighteen ish. Okay, yeah, like yeah, yeah. twenty eighteen early, like somewhere around there, where when Bryce Harper left. So. Yeah, it's, it's just really hard to like get over seeing these players in different uniforms. Yeah, especially when they just they make these lifelong commitments to a certain team or you think they're going to make a lifelong yes. commitment there. But yes. I mean, Bryce Harper, we always knew he wasn't going to stay in DC, but like at least with Frankie Lindor, like the expectation was that he was going to stay in Cleveland mm. or that he wanted to stay in Cleveland, yeah. but he also wanted money. So get I, your bag, frankly, Frankie. I get it. Get paid. Well, we have to talk about someone else wanting to be in Cleveland. Uh, we're going to transition into some Browns talk because unless you've been hiding under a rock, uh, you already know that Jadavion Clowney is a Cleveland Brown, at least for the 2021 season. Uh, he has officially signed a one-year, $8 million contract guaranteed with $2 million in incentives. So, uh, Meredith, you wrote down here the Andrew Berry special. Yeah. The ABS. <laughs> yes, because that's what Andrew Berry does. He, he signs these team-friendly one-year deals all over the place. He did that to Kareem Hunt. I want yep. I want to say it was Tack, I think Tack McKinley. Tack is on a one year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of the free agents he brought in because John John John's on a three-year deal. But yeah, yes. he brings in these guys on these one-year deals. And sometimes they extend and like and this year all of them did. Like Kareem Hunt was on a one-year deal and he's back with the Browns. So it's just like yeah, that's just what he does. He signs these one-year deals and they're always a prove it deal because if Jadavian Clowney comes in and becomes defensive player of the year, which is what he's saying that he wants to do, like he wants to beat out Miles Garrett for defensive player of the year. If he does that, then he's going to get, he's going to get paid and he's going to get yes. an extension if the Browns have the money for him. So like, that's, that's why I call it the Andrew Berry special. Cause he just, he is the king of signing team friendly one-year deals. Yeah, and not to mention, this is obviously someone who has been on his radar for over a year as well because the Browns wanted him last year. Mm -hmm. And he obviously ended up signing with the Titans, but he was offered much more money last year. So he is making less money this year. But again, um, he has the incentives that he can earn and then obviously is playing for the future, a potential future, larger contract. Um, listen, Meredith, I have to say, I'm just very happy that... The Browns are making all of these moves because we're going to go to the Super Bowl and we're going to actually get to witness it potentially yes. in person. So thank you, Andrew Barry, for not fixing the defense last year <laughs> and giving us a chance to see things in person. So he had this. So like I said, playing Cones of Dunshire, he had the entire season planned out where he was like, you know what? We're going to have a winning season. We're going to go to the playoffs. We're going to make a statement in the playoffs and then players are going to want to come to Cleveland and then we're going to the Super Bowl because that's what happened. Yeah. He planned it out perfectly. Okay. So I want to talk about um, something really quick and that is just kind of the events that took place this week. So it, it almost felt today was a little bit anticlimactic because mm -hmm. You know, there were reports that Jadavion was going to be returning to the facilities for a second meeting and then a physical. And then we come to find out on Monday, um, there were flight issues. So he wasn't able to come on Monday. And, you know, in typical Cleveland fan fashion, that ensued a lot of panic, right? That mm -hmm. maybe he was having second thoughts, a deal wasn't going to happen. Things weren't maybe going to get done like we thought it was. And I have to laugh because we were texting in our group chat about this whole situation. And I think it was you, Meredith, that said something along the lines of people did not want to sign Jadavion Clowney, not because he's injury prone, not because maybe he hasn't had as a product as of a productive season as he would have liked the last couple of years, but because he didn't pick the Browns last year. And I want you to talk a little bit about this because we need to get over our own egos. We need to get over the fact that, yes, Jadavion Clowney did not pick the Cleveland Browns last year. He went to the Titans. Do you blame him for that? Can we hold that against him? 
I don't. I do not hold that against him. And I don't think Browns fans should hold that against him. I think that people get stung very easily by people rejecting Cleveland or talking bad about Cleveland. Cause I know, you know, it's like the, the Albert Bells, the Jim Tomies, the LeBron Jameses, like the people who made sports exciting in this city left. And like, I remember Albert Bell went to the Orioles, which had to have been weird. It was weird for me because I was an Orioles fan at the time. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to cheer for him. I don't like this, but, um, but I think that people need to get, like you said, get over when Tell someone doesn't want to come. Get over yeah. And, and the reason I say that is because Jadavian Clowney has been what, like four teams in four years. Like he doesn't have the best reputation as a locker room guy. Um, you know, and I think when he chose the Titans for less money, over the Browns, what he was really looking for is I think he was looking for an image rehab in two ways. Um, he was looking for an off the field image rehab. And I think he was also looking for an on the field image rehab. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was worried, he was probably worried that he may not have been able to get that in Cleveland because, you know, Joe Thomas is a great example. You have this guy who's going to be in the hall of fame, but he was on a losing team. <laughs> for yeah. over a decade and you know at one point the like the biggest numbers he was putting up was his snap streak so you know I I think what Jadavian Clowney was seeing from the outside was a team that had four head coaches in three years because it yep. was Hugh Jackson Greg Williams Freddie Kitchens and all of a sudden Kevin Stefanski and he saw what happened with the Kitchens hire where there was like this huge just celebration like oh man we've got the coach this <laughs> that is was guy <laughs> the browns are going to the super bowl we were all everyone did if yeah. there was there was not a single person who was not excited about the freddie kitchens hire i like i don't care who you are if you say that you were that yeah. you knew you're lying and we that was all, a year of obj coming to the yeah. team i mean there were so many things to be excited about and coming off of it not even a winning season we were seven eight and one and we exactly were so really excited so so people were there were all these expectations around the Browns and they pretty much crumbled under pressure. And so I think, and this is just me conjecturing. I think Jadavian Clowney was looking at that and saying, I don't want that to happen again. Like what if Kevin Stefanski isn't the guy, what if Andrew Barry isn't the guy and I do choose to come to this team and the exact same thing happens where this team has a ton of expectations and then a really unsuccessful year. It's not going to look good on me and it's not going to look good on my team and all this other stuff. So that's probably why he went to the Titans because the Titans were a team on the rise. Yes. And you know, Mike Rabel was doing some amazing things with the Titans. They had multiple playoff appearances. Like I think they were just coming off of a wild card appearance. Yeah. They had a good defense. Yeah. So I think that's what he was looking for. And then he gets injured and he's out for half the season. And then he mm -hmm. saw what happened in Cleveland and it was proof that Kevin Stefanski is the guy that Andrew Barry is the guy that the weapons are there, that the pieces are there. Like he just, he said in his press conference and in, in his introductory press conference that when he came to the Browns a month ago, he knew about a week after that meeting that he wanted to sign in Cleveland. So he had been planning on it for a few weeks. So I just think that people need to take a step back and take a deep breath and just understand what it looked like from the outside, because that's what Jadavion was seeing. And now, you know, now that the Browns are getting more national coverage mm -hmm. and more attention and they've earned the national coverage and they've earned the attention, he's saying, okay, this is a spot where I can go and be successful. Like I can play across from Miles Garrett and I don't have to have the pressure of being the guy because Miles Garrett is already the guy. So he can, you know, and he even said again, and it's like, and we, I wrote out some of the quotes from his press conference, like, in other, in other defensive schemes, he was getting double and triple teamed kind of the way Miles does in the Browns defensive schemes. And so now he knows that he and Miles have the opportunity to split up the offense and they can both take on things one-on-one. -on -one. You know, he can clear the way for Miles to get his sacks. Like he just, he's looking at this team and saying, there is a scheme here that I know that I fit into. And he even credited saying that he doesn't think he really fit into the Titans scheme. And that's fair. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, that was kind of, that's a very long-winded explanation for why I'm not upset that Jadavion turned down the Browns last year and want to come and wants to come here this year. 
Yeah. When we've talked about this before on our show too, I think our fans, we're just so used to instability, um, drama, um, flipping things upside down every single year. And it's almost as if we don't know how to function when there aren't these stories coming out or, um, you know, we have to look forward to the draft and we have to hope that a rookie is going to come in and turn the franchise around, right? We're just so used to that cycle of suck and just being less than mediocre and, and trying to get to mediocre mediocrity. And right now we're living in a time where we are a free agent destination in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And we're not being talked about outside of where players are landing and where players are going. And one of the things that stuck out from his press conference today was his comment about how Cleveland came back to him after last year Mm -hmm. and he felt wanted. He felt like they had a plan for him last year. They have a plan for him this year. I think in our minds, or some of these jaded fans' minds, it was, you know, they took it personally that he didn't sign with us a year ago. I think same thing with J.J. Watt this year. Cleveland Browns fans take things personally, that it's rejecting the fan base, rejecting the city. I'm very happy that we have a stable organization with really strong leaders in position that don't have egos that are consistent with what they want and they go after it and they're not going to shy away from players that they want and picking up talent and trying it out. Uh, because to me, if if nothing else, that actually adds to our credibility as an organization, right? Mm-hmm. Jadavion Clowney is a prime example of a player that said, I'm wanted. They have a purpose. They have a plan. Let's, let's see how it goes. I trust them based on what they accomplished last year. And that's not going to be something that's going to be held against him either, right? This is mature, smart, Football decisions. We have finally made it, Meredith. And I was this close to tweeting something out today. And I hit pause for a moment because it just was <laughs> it was a little bit too painful to bring up. But we are only four years removed from giving Kenny Britt a 32 million contract. Oh my to god. Barely I play. That. I so forgot about that. Right. That's why I had to, oh. I was like, I can't even put this out in the universe because it feels like that was at least 10 years ago. But no, that was four years ago. So if you fans want to be mad, if you want to stay negative, if you want to call Jadavion Clowney washed or old or injury prone, go ahead and do that. But let's not forget that we were spending money on players that sat on the bench. Corey Coleman. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a really, really good point. And four years. Well, and, and here's the thing, everyone, like, I think everyone is all in on Andrew Barry and rightfully so like everyone has finally did, come wait, around. Does he still have doubters? Do you think there's still doubters out there about him? I, I don't think so. If there are, they're in like the bowels of the internet that I can't find. Like they're probably <laughs> on the dark web. Um, cause like they have to hide their Andrew Barry takes cause they know if they do it in public, they'll you know. get shamed. Exactly. So. <laughs> but here's the thing. Andrew Barry has had his eye on Jadavian Clowney when he was still in Philadelphia. So like, this isn't a recent thing. Andrew Barry wanted him last year and he was willing to offer him as much money as he possibly could. $17 million was the report last year. And Andrew Barry said, here, have all of my money. I want you on this team. And Jadavion said no. And a year later, Andrew Barry says, it's okay that you turned us down last year. We still want you here. We can't offer you the same amount of money, but here's what I can offer yeah. you. Like if you trust Andrew Barry, and if you are on the Andrew Barry train, and if you listen to this podcast, I can't imagine you wouldn't be because we've been pro Andrew Barry since day one. If you truly trust this man and you should, then you should trust this signing. Yes. Like that, I think that's, that's really all like if, if Andrew Barry has been pursuing this man for multiple years, there's got to be a reason that he's done that. Yeah. It also should be noted too, that Jadavion Clowney did make note that he had a new, he has a new agent, um, Mm -hmm. who also seemed to be very pro Cleveland, um, which I, I believe his agent last year was the same as Miles Garrett. So I'm not saying that he wasn't pro Cleveland 
Um, I just think maybe Jadavion had a new perspective, a little bit of a fresher mm-hmm. perspective and who he was working with and, and people on his team having a say in things, because that's the other thing we always forget as fans. It's not just players making these decisions. Yes. Families are involved. Uh, there's personal things that go along with it. You know, it's not just their livelihood that's being impacted. It's, it's uprooting their entire life, uh, to go to a new city, to go play for a new team. Um, and also doing this still in the midst of a pandemic, right? Like it's mm-hmm. still such a weird time that we're living in. Um, so there's just so many factors to consider. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, <laughs> do you remember in during the season prior to the trade deadline, you know, the Browns defense last year, it was not good. We've, we've, we've been honest about that. Everybody can admit it was, it was not what it should have been. And I remember people being up in arms that Andrew Barry was not making moves during the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. There was all of this, like, go get players, go get this guy. We need to pick up this guy. We need to turn this defense around. And I believe when we were recording our episode to talk about that, we had all collectively said, like, there's not going to be one person that's going to come at a trade deadline to turn this defense around this year. It's just not going to happen. That's that's not something that's going to change the trajectory of the defense and or the season. And I have to go back and remind myself how lucky we are that, again, we have someone in command of this team that is making extremely smart, sound decisions not to put a Band-Aid on something, but to actually think long-term. And I think, and this may be a hot take, I don't know, maybe it's not a hot take. I think this signing today says to me that Andrew Barry truly believes that his team is ready to compete for the Super Bowl this year. He is saying, F you to the draft. We can get to the Super Bowl with the team that we have assembled this year and it could happen in the 2021 season. Do you agree with that statement? What do you think? I do. I 100% agree with that statement. I think with the way the Browns are constructed now, I would expect them, you know, barring any horrific injury or anything crazy happening, they have the potential window of about two to three years to win the Super Bowl right now. And I, so I tweeted this earlier and I don't know if people quite understood what I was getting at, but I said the, the year the draft is in Cleveland is the year the draft doesn't matter Yes, to Cleveland. Yep. And what I mean by that is for the first time in probably since the Browns came back to Cleveland, you don't have to worry about who the Browns pick at 26 it literally they could they could draft a quarterback at 26 they're not going to they could <laughs> draft a that, quarterback at 26 that. but here's the thing if they draft a quarterback at 26 it doesn't matter yeah. like it doesn't it does not matter because whoever they draft with their first round pick this year is not going to see the field whoever they draft is going to be for depth and depth only so browns fans you don't need to stress out about that you know you can get your virtual tickets to the draft drink as many white claws as your body can handle and just have you can go to bed. Fun. Yeah. Well, just if you're going to the draft, have fun. If you're, you know, gathering safely, social distancing with your friends to watch the draft, you can just have fun. You can relax and it's not going to be, cause I remember when I was out watching the draft with some of my friends and I was in DC at the time and the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And I, I know I texted my dad the minute that happened. And he, he, the only word he went, fuck like that was all he said in return but I was sitting there laughing and like one of my friends um who always arranged our like draft gatherings he's a massive Jets fan and I forget who the Jets drafted that year but whoever it was he wasn't happy about it and it like soured his mood for the rest of the night and we're like come on like we're all all like friends are out having fun he's like just that's not gonna happen Browns fans because whoever gets picked at 26 is gonna be depth it's going to be, Hey, this guy, we're planning on putting this guy out in the field 2022 or later. You know, the only way he would see the field this year is if there's some horrific injuries and we have to go that deep, but that's it. So, I mean, that's what, that's all I meant by that tweet is, you know, this is like, have fun Browns fans because the draft is no longer the Super Bowl in Cleveland. It's just supplemental. 
yeah, well, this is exactly why we talked last week, why we're not going to spend a ton of time breaking down draft prospects. Listen, I am already prepping my hashtag Hokies tweets for when they draft Caleb Farley at 26. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we, you know what? He was on my list last week when we were compiling the rundown and we didn't obviously <laughs> get into player details or specifics, but rightfully so, because we talked about this, like at this point, the Browns, they don't have to rely on a specific position to draft. Of course, there mm -hmm. are still needs on this roster. There are still holes that we need to fill. But like you said, it's for depth. It's not like we need to rely on someone from the draft to be a starter. Mm -hmm. And this all goes back to, we're going to come full circle on this conversation. It all goes back to, we as Browns fans are not used to that. This is an uncomfortable position for us to be in where we are so used to the draft really being a place where it mattered because we needed players to immediately join the roster and make an immediate impact. Now we are in a world where we are acquiring talent via free agency, which by the way, that's what we should be doing because yes. those players are actually more proven. They have a resume. They have experience. We should not be relying on the draft as plug and play positions we should be fostering the future with the draft. So I am excited because we've never done a mock draft on the show. We do not need to do a mock draft on the show. Props to those who do the mock drafts, but did you just waste the last two months of your life by putting them together? <laughs> I just am really curious. I mean, people might have fun with it. I feel like mock drafts matter more to teams that are, you know, picking five to 15. Cause you know, the first four, you know who they are and you know who they're going to pick. Like that's pretty, pretty dead set. I think it's really funny how secretive the Browns were the year they drafted Baker Mayfield to the point where they leaked Sam Darnold's name so much and to the right people to make <laughs> it think everyone was convinced the Browns are drafting Sam Darnold. And then all of a sudden we're on the edge of our seat. You hear Roger Goodell with the first pick in the NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select. Baker Mayfield. And I remember my jaw hit the floor. I was like, what? yeah, I remember exactly where I was watching that. I was sitting on my couch. I believe my, I had my husband try to put the kids to bed. I was like, I'm <laughs> not luck. missing this first pick. I will be watching what happens. And like, you know, I was like, we went through an Owen 16 season uh, mm -hmm. to be able to be in this position, a one in 15 season to be in this type of position. I need to know what's going to happen. Uh, so he was actually upstairs still putting little dude to bed and, um, he came like running down the stairs. He was like, Baker Mayfield. Is that a surprise? <laughs> yes. So yeah, uh, yeah I'll never forget he, that moment. Yeah. Cause he was, is it, I'm like blanking on who has the number one pick this year, even though that's all we ever talk about is the, oh, the Jaguars. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Jags, yeah. The Jags have not made any bones about it. They're picking Trevor Lawrence, like even their social media team. <laughs> Like they tweeted out or not tweeted. I think they posted it on Instagram, um, maybe about a week and a half ago. And it was like, who's coming to Jacksonville. And it was like an outline of a football player. It was a literal outline of Trevor Lawrence <laughs> from the, the national championship game. Yeah. Like you, like someone superimposed like one of the more like circulated pictures of Trevor Lawrence, like over the Instagram post and it was the same picture. <laughs> so I mean, Jags are not being secretive about it. They don't care. They're like, yep, Trevor Lawrence, he's, he's coming. And like the Browns are like, it's, it's going to be Sam Darnold. <laughs> Sam Darnold. <laughs> so it's, it's very, it's very funny to see the, um, the, like the different draft strategies, but yeah, I mean, the draft is since I've been in Cleveland, the draft show has been one of the biggest shows that we do for the entire year on Brown's radio. And this might be the first year where like, it's still going to be a big deal because it's going to be in Cleveland, but just the, the content of the show itself is going to be like, okay, let's see what everybody else is doing. Brown's at 26. Oh, with the 26 pick, the Browns select Caleb cornerback, Caleb Farley. Like <laughs> I'm going to try and speak that one into existence, but like, it's just, it's not going to be such a high pressure, like, oh my God, this is such a big deal thing for, for anything, for people watching, for the Browns themselves, for us in the content business. Like 
it's going to be a very relaxing draft and I'm excited yeah, about I agree. it. I honestly like might fall asleep. <laughs> I am a little bit sad though, that it's, it's actually like live and in person because I really liked seeing into the virtual rooms and people's houses. And oh my God. Like, yes. That was the best. And like seeing so the kids along with it. Yeah. And remember Bill like, Belichick's dog was just like yes. in the chair. Like, like to me, like that, that was like made to see television mm-hmm. must watch. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the uh, virtual booze for Roger Goodell, like he was like, Oh, he, he like got super comfortable. He like had a change of outfit. He was in a suit and then he like changed into his pajamas. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. The, the structures are going up in Cleveland. It's actually kind of fun. Um, like I started taking, um, the Lakeshore into work every day, just so I can like pass the structure and see how different it looks every single day. So it's exciting. Like, I don't like, it's just, it's a really exciting year. And I'm so like the hype doesn't feel empty this time. Like I know how hyped we were prior to Freddie kitchens and we had a lot more reservations Mm -hmm. going into this year. Um, but also I think like this was just a strange year in general. Like we wanted football more so because we wanted normalcy. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just remember being hyped, but there was just something that felt off about it in the Freddie kitchens year. And like this year it, it doesn't like, it does not feel off at all like everything just feels right yeah I am kind of tweeted about that today too and um you know we this has kind of been a theme of the whole show about Browns fans just not being used to not talking about controversy or Mm -hmm. you know there's no drama there's no drama it's been pretty quiet and like you said like the the staff is just very quiet in terms of like who they're going to pick in the draft and like really free agency has been pretty quiet outside of Jadavion Clowney and and the meetings and the planes. But, you know, I think all of the signings that they've made, like were pretty surprising. Like they, those were not things that uh, anyone really had on the Cleveland Browns radar uh, with John, John and Troy Hill and some of those moves that he made on the first couple of days. And, um, you know, what doesn't get talked about enough is the fact that we have talked about it, but we're returning the entire offense and mm-hmm. the coaching staff is all the same. And if you don't think that that's going to be a major factor in the Browns improving this year, then you need to think harder because just that fact alone makes them better. Mm-hmm. The fact For that sure. they don't have to go through relearning a playbook, relearning language, getting used to the coaching staff, getting used to the little nuances. I think Kevin Stefanski's offense, we didn't even get to see the full playbook last year. Like seeing this scheme develop and progress and evolve. And that's a word that they use a lot. It's the evolution. I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to see a Kevin Stefanski offense, but with a little spin, a little twist on that offense. And the other thing is with Andrew Barry, you know, when he was hired, he spoke in his press conference about aggressively acquiring talent. He's done that. And and it definitely deserves to be talked about. His entire year one focus was getting the offense right. Of course, he stepped into a role where there were really strong offensive pieces and players to work with, right? We had a franchise quarterback, an expected franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield. You had a, a really strong running back core and duo. You had... um David Njoku tight end. You had OBJ, obviously Jarvis Landry from wide receiving room, Hollywood Higgins, who stepped up as well. And he really needed to fix the offensive line. He did just that. The offensive line was the number one offensive line in the league. It is going to be probably number one again going into this, this season, which is really important. And then he improved the tight end position. Um, He drafted really well from an offensive perspective. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a spectacular rookie season and obviously stepped up when OBJ went down. And I think people tried to diminish Andrew Barry last season by saying that because he didn't do the same things on the defensive side, that they questioned really his, his ability to be a great GM. Now in his year two, it's been all about the defense, obviously rightfully so. So we are seeing kind of the same aggressive 
I love that he said aggressively acquire talent and he said it in the calmest way possible. <laughs> like it wasn't like, I'm going to aggressively get football. Go-. Like, you remember John Dorsey? He like came oh my in God, and yeah. was like, oh, we're going to get, get some real football buddy, players buddy the, on boy. this team. Buddy boy, football players. Buddy boy. It's been a long time coming. Him and his double bubble. And Andrew Barry, chewing. yes, in the calmest manner, was like, we're going to aggressively acquire talent. It was just what I love about him is that he's just so matter of a fact, right? It's he's authentic. He's genuine. There's no bullshit. There's no reading yes. between the lines. There's no talking just to talk. You know, like, do you work mm-hmm. with people? I, I'm not going to, you don't have to answer this. Have you ever worked with someone who talks just to hear themselves talk and then they just use all of these filler words to make themselves sound important or whatever subject matter they're talking about makes them sound like so smart but really they're not saying anything at all you mean yeah like Hugh Jackson maybe <laughs> uh, I that thought man... you were going to name a co-worker and I was going to no. be married don't <laughs> no um, I, I, I will say this and I, this is no cap I love the people that I work with I'm very, very fortunate to have such amazing coworkers, like no cap at all. And like, I know that's not, people are going to think that I'm full of it, but I'm not because I have worked at some really, really bad radio stations <laughs> over the years. And actually, as you were like talking about that, a single person from a previous radio station <laughs> exactly. came to mind immediately. Um, and this is someone who stole like multiple ideas of mine, like stuff that I would Worst develop kind of with. Person. Yeah. Like stuff that I like would develop with my show and we would do these segments on air and they were relatively successful. And then this guy would like go around and be like, oh yeah, I was the one who thought of that. I was the one who, I was like, excuse me, sir, excuse me. But I wanna go back to what you were saying about um, Andrew Berry fixing the offense and then doing the defense because yep. Robert Mays of The Athletic has, I think he said it on his, his podcast, The Athletic Football Show, um, he is a very, very smart guy and he's a huge football nerd. And one of the things that he was saying about football teams is that you have to have your offense in place first. He said, winning teams are always going to have the strong offense. And then you just have to, you, you just have to get your, and he used the term lightning in a bottle defensive guys. And, and that was kind of the point that he was making was that as long as you have a strong offense, you are going to win football games. And that's exactly what we saw with the Browns last year. Yes. They had this amazing offense, yep. this incredible offensive line, and it got them, you know, into the playoffs, deep into the playoffs. So, you know, they were, you know, a few plays away from, you know, going to an AFC title game. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, it, it's very comforting to hear national people who do not have a rooting interest in the Browns describe what they think a successful, like what they have seen and what they say makes a successful team. And then to see the Cleveland Browns doing exactly that. Yeah. So, cause that's exactly what Andrew Barry's doing. He worried about offense and offense only and said, this isn't going to be the year, but once we get this offense squared away, then we'll worry about the defense. And I just, you know, Jadavian Clowney doesn't even even need to be a leader in the locker room because John John is already mm-hmm. like he has already taken on that role. You know, whether the people in that room like it or not, he's just coming in and he's already, you know, he was already a force. Like I think people in Los Angeles were very upset to lose him. Like they just had nothing but great things to say about him. So Jadavian Clowney has a very low pressure situation in Cleveland right now. Like he just has to hit the field, you know, do what he's told to do and make plays and stay healthy. That's it. Like he doesn't have to be a leader in the locker room because miles and John, John are going to have that covered. Like he's not going to have to be the guy on the field because that's miles Garrett. Like he's just, this is a great situation for him. And it may not have necessarily been the best situation for him last year either. So again, that's why I don't necessarily hold it against him for, for not coming here because he probably was looking at this team and saying, you know, outside of miles Garrett, who is on this defense. Yeah. Do you think too, that like all of these free agency signings, Jadavian Clowney, obviously the most recent, the defense has obviously gotten much better just from pure talent standpoint. And and they should improve next year, obviously just based on that factor alone, but the offense has 
has stayed pretty intact. It's it, the core is all there. We know what we're getting when it comes to the offensive side. Obviously, we expect to see evolution in the scheme, the playbook, whatever. But do you think that this takes a little bit of pressure off of the offense and Kevin Stefanski specifically? Because if you recall last year, you know, one of our strategies for this team was that we had to score, you know, 30 plus points to be able to win some football games because we just knew some of the teams that we played against, you weren't going to be able to stop them. It, we just were not built to stop offenses. And a lot of cases we couldn't get off the field and we had to rely on turnovers. And there were some games where that worked and that was fine, but that's not a consistent strategy that you can build around. Now I feel like Meredith, this could take a little bit of pressure off of the offense and Baker Mayfield to feel the need to have to go down and score a touchdown every single possession. They may not have to draw up certain plays to try to convert a fourth down or even, you know, they, they could just kind of think completely differently knowing that they now have a defense that they can rely on. And that's not something that we were able to necessarily do last year. Oh yeah. I think we're looking at this Browns team and saying, this is a team that if they only score 14 points, they still have a chance to win last year. That was not the case. Yes. It you was know, if the, if the Browns were, yeah, if the Browns were only scoring 14 points, then the other team was probably scoring 21 or more. So yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head with that, that there's a lot less pressure on the offense right now. I hope that Kevin Stefanski runs banana plays because they're my absolute <laughs> favorite. I just, I'm not sure that he will uh, just because there's film on him. Yeah, well, and I and think Kansas film City, you know, they, banana plays. Yeah, they, they caught on to those pretty quickly. And I think mm -hmm. like Kevin Stefanski's smart. He's, he's going to figure out a way to put a spin on it and make sure that teams are not obviously catching on um, because he knows there's going to be film against, against them. Yeah. Um, but I Jarvis have full... may not be perfect anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think Jarvis Landry had the highest passer rating in the NFL last year. I think Cause he right. went like, cause he went like three for four or something like that. I also think he got hit the hardest every single time. Yeah. He got, but, oh my God, God. Jarvis to OBJ, OBJ to Jarvis. Yeah. I that's mean, so so that's, that's the other thing. Like we barely got to see OBJ in the Stefanski offense. Like he went down early on in the season. And I think there was probably a ton of plays that were for OBJ. So that, that is like a portion of the playbook that hasn't been untapped yet. And I know a lot of people want to discredit OBJ and say that we don't need him and that Baker is a better player, but I, I actually think OBJ's productivity this year could be off the charts. And I really hope that happens. Like, I just want him to be so successful in this offense. And I want everybody to succeed in this offense. Well, and you were talking about pressure as well. I think there's going to be a lot less pressure on the chemistry between <laughs> Baker and OBJ. Like that's something that I see keep popping up. And one of the things that we have noticed about Baker is he is at his best when he is confident. And we have yes. seen that time and time again on the field, off the field. We saw that from him when he was in college. We have especially seen that from him with the Cleveland Browns. And I think beating the Steelers in a playoff game, like the way that he improved over the course of the year, which was yep. going to happen no matter what, it's unfortunate that OBJ wasn't on the field while he was improving. But I think last year, gave Baker so much confidence that when OBJ does hit the field this year, I don't think that Baker is going to feel the need to force the ball to OBJ. I don't think that he's going to be worried about chemistry or anything like that because he's got the confidence and the skills that he needs. And he also knows that this is the year that he's really got to prove it, especially if he wants, you know, the big bucks when, when it's yeah. time for his extension, like this is his year. And I think the pressure is going to be off him as well, because I think last year showed him and Browns fans and the world that he's capable of being the franchise quarterback. So I think just knowing that he's got the skill and the work ethic and the backing of his coach and the staff and the fans and everyone, like, I think that OBJ is going to just fit right in to all of that. Yeah. I just cannot wait for the season to start. And I know that by saying know. that, 
you know, like we have summer to get through and I don't want to rush through summer. I want to enjoy summer and the weather, but I also am just so excited to see this team get together and I cannot wait for the season to start and to see this just all come together. It's going to be such I'm ex- a long summer. <laughs> I'm excited for it, but I also like remember how many, how many um, <laughs> times I got stuck in the snow this year. Uh-huh. I had, I had so much problems. <laughs> I had so many problems with the snow this year. Um, especially since, you know, I don't have a job that can be done remotely. I was still going to the office full time. So like it, we would have these like, Oh, look at this pretty snowfall on Christmas. Okay. Well, the roads better be clear because I have to, I have to go into work. So that's like what I'm not looking forward to, but yeah, that's just like, football like be in the summertime you know just year round come on <laughs> oh my god year round football would be so hard I feel like you would have yeah. to have you would almost have to have like multiple squads because there's no way that you could For ask sure. there's no way that you could ask Baker Mayfield to play 12 months out of the year you're like no. you just can't like you would have to like switch off no um, all right, before we move on to our next topic, I do have to bring up um, our sponsor for this evening's show, the Northwest Group. Um, again, we've talked about them the last couple of weeks, but they are the leader in branded home textiles for the world's most loved and recognized brands in sports, entertainment, and lifestyle. Um, so if you guys haven't checked them out, please be sure to do that. You can visit their site at www.thenorthwest.com. They have some amazing blankets and pillows for your home super soft product and fabric. Um, and we are giving you a promo code for 25% off your total purchase. And that is G I R L C L E it's girl. Clee. Um, we gave away a Baker Mayfield blanket so far and Brittany did a Brown's blanket giveaway last week. And then Meredith will be giving something special away this week. So be on the lookout for that. But again, um, if you do not feel like waiting or you don't feel like you have any luck for this giveaway, again, you can visit www.thenorthwest.com and use code G-I-R-L-C-L-E for 25% off your purchase. All right, Mayor, what should we uh, cover in this final segment? I mean, there's there's a few things um, NBA-wise with the Cavs. I have to be honest with you, Meredith, like, I have not watched the Cavs since February, probably. It's been hard. So what was it? Saturday, Saturday. Oh my God. I can't believe they're still playing. It's so weird. They gave up. I know. And this is a condensed season too. It's only 72 games. Um, Saturday night, they gave up 87 points in the first half. Whew. That was a franchise record for points allowed in a single half. Yeah, I got that alert oh. on my phone. Oh, and it's, it's just like, I guess I'm struggling with the timing of all this too, because typically in a normal year, um, playoffs would be starting in like April, May, April, May, yeah. June. And now it's like everything got pushed back. So I'm just like really struggling with like, wow, the Cavs are still on. Like, this is so weird. I can't, there's something about April NBA basketball that like regular season that just feels very off to me. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, it's the same way with hockey too, because hockey and basketball um, are both 82 game seasons in a normal year and they both start their playoffs around the same time. Yeah. Um, I think that this is just kind of an indication that, you know, we're not completely out of the woods yet. Like we're all saying uh-huh. like, you know, we're trying to wave 2020 goodbye. Cause that was such a terrible year for everybody. Um, but you know, we're still, we're still dealing with these things in, in 2021. So, and I think the timing of basketball and hockey is a clear indication of that um and also i don't know if you want to talk about this or we can wait until next week but uh jc treader penned a letter through the nflpa website last week urging teams to boycott in-person uh activities otas and mini camps um because he the nflpa doesn't feel that the nfl has proper COVID protocols in place like they just want to act like everything is over and normal and he's saying well no things aren't normal yet. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're, we're getting there. We're on a very like clear path to getting normal, but as of right now, we're not. So, and I think they want to do virtual off seasons like indefinitely, just because I think the PA is pointing to last year and saying, Hey, look at how successful we were in, in, in doing a virtual off season last year. So we need to do it again this year. So there's a lot to unpack with that. But we can go back to basketball if you want, because uh, Angel Gray, who is one of the uh, members of the broadcast crew, 
with the Cavaliers was saying that they are aiming for that play in tournament this year. Like they want to make the playoffs this year and that's a great goal. And I can understand that because no, no team wants to come in and lose. Like we were talking about that last week with the idea of tanking, like you can't sell that idea to a player because they're just not built that way. And I don't know. I'm looking at this team and I'm just like, it doesn't look like a playoff team to me. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> like, you know, especially if you're missing Darius Garland and you're missing Colin Sexton, like those are your young pieces. And there are a lot of really great guys in the draft this year. There's a lot of really, really strong players <laughs> in the NBA draft this year. So it's like, oh, maybe, maybe you should try and get a lottery pick Cavs. Maybe yeah. because they just it like it's felt like since LeBron left, they get one or two really good key pieces that just can't thrive because the rest of the team isn't there. And then like that key piece will leave and then they'll bring in another key piece. Like, you know, I feel like that's kind of like where Jer Jared Allen is right now. Like that's a guy who's supposed to be yeah. pretty much like the epicenter of the team but he's not LeBron James. So it's not like he can bring this team to the playoffs, kicking and screaming by himself. Like he needs other people to back him up and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton's players just, it feels inconsistent. Yeah. Do you think this whole like plan tournament situation is like, what is the purpose of it? Like, is it to draw like some excitement? Um, for the sport, like, I don't know, like, I'm just like very confused by this entire situation. Um, like, I, I guess I kind of understand it in a way, uh, because you could have like a hot team that, you know, earns its way into the playoffs. But like, on the other hand, like, is that insulting to like the rest of the teams that had to like, earn their spot all year? <laughs> Well, that's what Mark Cuban was saying. That was essentially his point where it was like, you know, how is it fair for a number seven seed who would make the playoffs in a normal year lose to a number 10 seed just because they, the, the 10 seed got hot at the right yeah. time. Like it's very, like, it's very March Madness-esque, yes, like exactly. this one and done tournament. And I, I see where Mark Cuban is coming from on that. Cause I think they were also citing the amount of games that you have to play like they're already in a condensed season and then having this play in tournament just adds more games to their schedule just to get into the playoffs and it takes away some of the rest period they would get between the regular season and the playoffs so it's weird and you know what's really funny is I keep forgetting <laughs> that that's what the NBA is doing this year until somebody brings it up like, it's one of those things of like, oh yeah, like it's not, it's not a normal year for the NBA and they are doing like a weird March Madness style play in to get into the tournament thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like exciting from a fan perspective. Like I can, I can see where that would draw in maybe a casual basketball fan or maybe a casual sports fan that isn't like an NBA viewer. Um, because I think there are a lot of people that like basketball, enjoy basketball, but don't necessarily watch the NBA, but they love March Madness. So like, are you going to be drawing in making more money based on like doing this type of thing? Like, I mean, I would watch it for sure. Like it's exciting. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. And it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. I don't know how I feel about the Cavs. Um, yeah, that was going to be my next fighting, question to you. Fighting is, for this position. Like, because the, the Cavs could conceivably get a number 10 seed. And if they are the number 10 seed, then they're in the play-in tournament. So do you, like, do you want to see the Cavs, like, scratch and claw their way to just potentially get knocked out in this first round of the, of the tournament? Or do you want to have them continue to give up 87 points and a half? <laughs> yes, I would prefer and that. Maybe, and maybe get Jalen Suggs <laughs> in the draft. Like, like... I don't know. It's, it's a very, Listen, it's a very like tough position is, to be yeah, in. This is like a lose, lose. It honestly yeah. is. I did. I don't, maybe people can tweet at us like what they would prefer. Are people still watching the Cavs? Yeah. Tweet at us. Let, let us know let what us you know. want to see out of the Cavs this year. Because I, I, again, I love that the Cavs have goals and they should. And you know, that it's not empty, you know, like it's not, it's not lip service. Like when they say these things, they mean it. They really do. But it's also just like, 
<laughs> like, are you sure you don't want to be in the lottery this year? Yeah. Are you sure? I don't know. I guess we will end. We will close the show with um, Cleveland. I keep, I keep saying the Indians on this show. I don't know what to call them. Um, I guess we'll just say the Cleveland Indians still because they don't have a name and yeah. I'm very confused as to how to address them. But could just, I mean, we could call them the, the, <laughs> the, this is stealing somebody else's bit, uh, but the local professional baseball team in the city of, Cleveland. there you go. <laughs> the Cleveland baseball club, the uh, Cleveland others, the Cleveland others, you, you also came up with the Cleveland clouds. That was another like brief. <laughs> that was, that was, that was another thing. That was another thing from the mind of Brie. <laughs> oh yeah. That mind of Brie. It's full of nonsense. Um, I wanted to just end on, cause we talked about the Indians. They've been playing well for the most part. Um, Shane, Shane Bieber pitched a great game last night. Um, a oh lot of excitement. God, I was, think. I mean, when I saw the matchup was going to be Bieber and, and Lucas Giolito, I was just like, Oh my God, this is going to, this is going to be the match of a century. And it was, it was so good. Like if I had eight, to just follow along on my phone, I just, you know, like I, I said to my husband, I was like, how do I have a sports podcast and I can actually watch the team that I have to talk about, but I guess I'll just like be on my phone and refresh ESPN to see what's happening. This is great. Yeah. I mean, and if you like, if you are a pitching nerd, like that was the game to watch. <laughs> it was, it was so good. And Shane Bieber is just, he, I think he's a future hall of famer and if the Indians weren't willing to pay Francisco Lindor, they should be willing to pay Shane Bieber. Like they've got to, like, they can't just keep letting players like Talent. that leave. And also what's incredible about the Cleveland Indians is they have let Mike Clevenger go. They've let Corey Kluber go. They have let Carlos Carrasco go. They have let Trevor Bauer go. These are mm -hmm. all some of the top pitching names in, in the league. And they still somehow have the best starting five. One of the best it's, starting. I fives. know it's, it's wild. It truly is like a farm system. Yeah. Like, it's just like, they're a pitching factory and it's, yep. it's crazy. Like, it's crazy to think that they've given up all that pitching talent and they still have a strong starting five. Like Logan Allen had a rocky start, but he seemed to like settle in pretty quickly. And I, what was it? Sunday, Monday, I forget whatever, whenever Logan Allen's last start was it's like the first inning sucked. And then all of a sudden he lit up and the Indians won. So like, it's crazy. It is the, the pitching talent on that team is mind boggling. Yes. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about not pitching at all. I wanted to talk about you Chang and um, what happened a couple of nights ago with um, the walk-off error to, to lose against the white Sox. And he posted um, on his Twitter account, his messages that he received on Instagram, private DMS where he was getting hateful messages, but also racist, hateful messages. And obviously the Indians condemned this type of behavior. He himself spoke about it um, on his page. And then I saw obviously so many people supporting him and just saying how disgusting this was. Um, but Meredith, I just like have to bring it up because social media, unfortunately, like, you know, people want to connect with these players and have interactions with them and see what they're up to. But unfortunately, it just brings out such awful and horrible behavior. And I just don't understand how you get into this mindset that a player or a team that you like and root for and you watch, you get so upset about a loss or them not playing well, you attack them on social media. And you say these horrible things about them and not only horrible things, but really racist things about them that have nothing to do with their play. It's just being a horrible person. I don't understand what the motivating factor is with people that are like this. And if social media didn't exist, would you actually say this to their face? Yeah. And I just, I think that Cleveland fans need to be better. Like we're also in a day and age where you might think you're anonymous on social media, but I have seen, I, I, these things pop up on my TikTok all the time of people who receive hateful messages yeah. and then they'll like post videos of how they figured out who that person is 
in real life. So firstly, just because you created a burner account on social media doesn't mean you can't be found. But secondly, like what motivates you to say those things in the first place? Yeah. I, and I wish Brittany were here for this conversation because I know like she was getting attacked. Like she gets attacked for everything that she says. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and obviously she's not a professional athlete. She doesn't have the type of following that these athletes have. Um, so I imagine it's, it's even, you know, magnified a hundred times more than some of the stuff that people say about us. And I'm not even comparing the two, like it, there's no comparison to that. I just wish that people were like, they were held accountable for the things yes. they say and do on the internet. And, and unfortunately, like we live in a world now where there is no accountability and they think that they can do whatever they want and get away with it. And I hate it. I hate that. I hate that for us. I hate that for the future of my children. Um, because I think it just, just awful and my heart broke for him because you know he was disappointed and he oh, yeah. was upset about the situation like these athletes are human and I don't understand why we can't have empathy the same thing happened to um Ohio State the men's basketball team when they lost um in the tournament and they missed they missed the shot to lose against Oral Roberts and this is a college student getting these awful dms and yeah you know a kid who's probably yes. like 18 or 19 years, probably not even old enough to drink yet. Yes. And like, I just imagine just, can you just put yourself in their shoes for a minute? Just why have we lost the fact that we can't be empathetic? We can't think about how that person is feeling. If people had more empathy in this world, our world would be a much better place. But not everybody has the same experiences as you. Not everybody has the same outlook as you. Like just take a minute, take a deep breath and think about how they feel for a minute yeah, before you I, do anything. I was embarrassed to, I was embarrassed for the city of Cleveland when Yu Chang was posting yeah. those messages. And quite frankly, if you hear any people that you know in real life saying those kinds of things, yes. you need to check them on it. Yes. You need to call them out because one of the reasons why people will go and do these things is because they think they can get away with it. So if you call out your friends, family, relatives, whatever, anyone in your like coworkers, if you hear someone saying things that are very clearly out of pocket and racist, you need to call them out on it because I don't ever want to see an athlete in the city of Cleveland ever. I don't want to see any athlete period posting, Hey, I got these racist messages because that makes me embarrassed for the city of Cleveland because we are better than that. And like, and exactly like you said, like Yu Chang knows that he messed up. Yeah. Like, he knows that it's his fault that the game was lost. And like, he already feels horrible enough that, you know, he made a mistake that cost the game. There is no doubt that nobody feels worse than you right now. And to send him those messages, like, could you imagine if one of the lowest points of your career was caught on national television and no. the response was for people to attack you and your character and your heritage? Right. Like, that's just I, awful. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I'm so upset by it. Yeah. I, like for some reason we've gotten to a place where cultural differences, um, uh, is, a way that we attack people or we make fun of them instead mm -hmm. of celebrating them, instead of celebrating our differences. And like the other thing I will say before we end it, you know, it's not even just this, this one instance, this one experience with Yu Chang, but there are people out there that think that racism doesn't exist. And what I will say to, to you, if it, hopefully our listeners don't, don't, aren't that ignorant to think that it doesn't exist. But if you are one that thinks that it doesn't really happen, I just encourage you to open your eyes, open your ears, start to listen, do the work on yourself. Because if you are a white male or white woman, you would not have these kinds of experiences. So just listen up. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to, you don't have to be an expert on it, but just acknowledge it, recognize that it exists. That is step one. We are not going to shy away from these topics. We are we are not going to stand for um, accepting any type of racism um, or slander on this show. Like we are humans, we 
we are good people. We want to make this world a better place. So we hope that you guys appreciate that about us. Um, you know, we, we again, like aren't going to be shy about speaking about it. So when these things come up, we will talk about it. I'm going to end it on that Meredith because I'm getting fired up. <laughs> I'm going to go calm down by getting on the Steelers Reddit board, I guess. Oh my God. And seeing them I... cry about Jadavion. So before we end it, I'll have to say this. So I got on both Steelers and Ravens Reddit this afternoon and I, I was laughing so hard. I was crying because, and I <laughs> sent you the like Steelers, like they posted this really uncreative SpongeBob meme on the Steelers Reddit. And then another Steelers fan with a different username. I don't know if it was a different person. Um, or not, but it was someone with a different username went on to Ravens Reddit. And like the topic was I, as a Steelers fan, come in peace. And when I clicked on it, it was the same meme. Like this is pathetic. I get like, oh my God. I like, am, I am embarrassed for you Steelers fans right it's now. Hilarious. Like they, they were losing their mind on the radio in Pittsburgh. Good afternoon. Like they were upset. And like the, every, every take is the exact same. Oh, he's only had three sets. He's washed. He's what he's old. He's injury prone. He's, he's not that good. He's only had three sacks in the last two years. That was the one stat that they kept bringing up over and over and over again. And I'm just like, sacks are fun, but they're not everything. Also, he was out for half the year last year, but yeah, they just, they are trying so hard to minimize this. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're trying so hard to undermine everything that the Browns are doing because they're scared and they're upset and they don't like the fact that their team is probably very close to a tanking season themselves. And the Browns have found their way out of the darkness. They're in the light. Yes. And like Steelers fans, you got to get more creative, man. Just keep posting the same meme in every message board. My goodness. Yeah. Their creativity, man. They're definitely projecting because they have the fossil for a quarterback. And you know who Jadavion Clowney is faster than? Your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Your quarterback <laughs> doesn't move. He literally- I can't like, wait. I can't wait to see their offense of like five-yard slant passes. I can't I mean, wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be so exciting. I mean, when I'm in a bad mood, I just, I pull up that, um, that wild card game with the Steelers yeah. where in the very first snap, Ben Roethlisberger- like fumbled it or muffed the snap or whatever and then he just watched it roll into the end zone yeah he just like ran in a circle like i don't want to fall i don't want to dive on it i'm good like uh, you can have his noodle arm i can't wait to see his little noodle arm waffling the ball in the air and uh you know we actually have a secondary so that's exciting i know ben roethlisberger should be afraid like he i want this year to end with him saying i should have retired last year because the browns defense just pancaked him Yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, uh, we will have lots more to come for next week's show. We hope Brittany is back for that. I'm sorry if I sounded like a man um, this entire episode. I was trying to talk quietly because my kids are sleeping in the next room. <laughs> I was I was, I was channeling my, my inner Brittany, my inner Brittany <laughs> voice for the show. Um, but thank you guys all for listening and tuning in. Um, again, if you can please rate us and review us on your listening platform, we so appreciate it. Send us your feedback on Twitter. We love hearing from you guys. Um, again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And we'll talk to you guys all next week. 